1: Just like that, we are on another episode of the Storybox Podcast. Welcome, one and all. My name is Jared Phantom, and you're listening to another exciting episode of the Storybox Podcast. So, if you're a returning guest or you're a new guest, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode, my people. I guess what I'm looking at all the the people that have actually. Uh, been listening and we've got people across Australia, we've got people from the uh, United States, Thailand, Kingdom of Jordan, United Kingdom, Philippines, New Zealand. We've got people all across uh, the world listening into the Storybox podcast. Now that to me is amazing because we're only on the sixth episode so far and I guarantee you, I've been working really, really hard behind the scenes to bring special guests on with very unique and amazing stories so it can actually spark your interest. It's not all about me talking, uh, but it's also bringing them on, asking them unique questions, and getting them to share their stories, okay? So uh, this week's guest is uh, very special as well because Natasha Garbers is a location scout. Now, I've always wondered what a location scout does, except for you know, you guessed it, scout locations. But it's actually a lot more than what you think they actually do. So you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot about what Natasha does, how she goes about doing it. She runs a company called the Set Book, so you can check that out on Instagram or the web. Check the website out. So if you need a location, um, you hear a lot about how she actually goes about and doing doing it. Um, how she gets locations as well. It's quite a very interesting story so I know you guys are going to get something out of it. So without me continuing on, I now introduce to you Natasha Garbus. Okay so Natasha, thank you so much for taking the time and coming onto to the Storybox podcast. So I guess to start off with, you would introduce yourself, what you do, mm-hmm. how you got started, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, My name is Natasha Garbers. I am a location scout. So I run Setbook, which is a new online platform that is dedicated to helping creatives find locations. So it's kind of like Airbnb, I guess you could say. You can go on there, you can search, you can book. Um, But I also do a lot of freelance location scouting as well. So, um, and location management, kind of some of the requests that I get through, are a bit more specified than what we've got listed on the site. There's only so much that I can really um, predict that people want because, I mean, every script is so different. Yep. So, yeah, basically it's my job to go drive around and find locations, knock on random people's doors and have conversations with them and basically kiss ass. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How long have you been doing that for?
0: Um, I've only been doing it for about two years.
1: And how did it all get started? Like did you wake up one morning and say, I'm going to run set book and be a location scout?
0: No. Um, I am a photographer. So I've been doing photography for about 10 years and I do a lot of commercial work. Um, but fashion was always like my passion in photography and I was really motivated, loved it. Um, I was doing a whole lot of editorials and I actually went over to london berlin and paris um to shoot some stuff over there just for my portfolio it was kind of like a glorified holiday um but why not yeah exactly right um and so i was trying to find locations in berlin to shoot at and i just loved the challenge um i ended up finding this abandoned old like nazi captain's house so it's like this big mansion but i couldn't i can only speak a really tiny bit of german so i couldn't really get in touch with a guy i just i don't know how i found it but i stumbled onto it in a forum somewhere and i got the makeup artist i was working with who lived who speaks german to contact him and he basically charged us like 20 euros each to go in and no, shoot is that a lot no that's like 40 bucks oh to go in and shoot that's for the ass. whole day. Yeah. yeah. So we paid like 120 bucks That's for the so whole good. day for the lot of us. Yeah. Um, So we went in there and shot it and it was like this big abandoned pool, empty pool, like a cinema. It was amazing. And I, I really have always loved shooting on location. I'm not like a studio photographer. I'm, I kind of prefer the natural light. I prefer the challenges of locations. I
1: think I'm the same. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And um, I guess like the next, that was a few years ago actually like probably about a year before i started set book and i ended up out, out in pit town just you know all way back. yeah <laughs> i was looking for a very specific location i was looking for like long dry grass which every photographer obviously looks for mm-hmm. um, but i i had remembered driving past an abandoned boat just on the side of the road and i was trying to find it and pit town's really good for locations because it's got pretty much everything run down that you can think of. So I was driving around Pitt Town looking at old houses, um, like handwriting notes, dropping them in letterboxes, going, can we please shoot in your front yard? Um, The day of the shoot came and we found this beautiful pond that was all fenced off. So I was like, I'm just going to knock on this person's door and see if they're they're cool with it. If no one answers, we're going in. Um, Which I don't recommend, (laughs) just just an FYI. Um, So I knocked on the door and apart from being a little bit freaked out, they were totally fine. Uh, so they're like, yeah, go for it. Just don't let the horses out. So we ended up shooting like in their pond. Um, and I was like, this is like pretty cool. I think out of all the things I have to do for photography, for shoots, editing, the whole thing, Mm. like looking for locations is my favorite. I was like, maybe I can just, you know, do this. Maybe I can create a job. And then I kind of looked into it a bit more. I was like, oh my God, this is a job. Yep. So I guess set book started on that day when I was like just driving through Pigtail with my music up and I was really feeling it. And I was like, yeah, this is me. You know, I thought, I thought of business names. I thought of logos and everything. And then, um, basically I'm just going to create something specific for photographers because there's a lot of film location places out there already. Um, but I learned pretty quickly that the photography market isn't, um, amazing. And I know that from, First-hand experience being a photographer is that mm. I will do anything to work around an agency. I will use Google Maps to find a house before I pay a six hundred dollars agency yep. fee. So um, photographers are a bit sneaky like that.
1: And it's smart. It, it, it is. It really is. Yeah. So, you rather not spend. I wouldn't want to spend that amount of money. Like yeah. I'm always looking at the indie approach, the cheap approach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and if you can do it, why not?
0: Exactly. So I never had commercial budgets, so I would always just shoestring it the whole way. Um, so I pretty much made sure that set book was an indestructible fortress hmm. where no matter what you try, you're not going to be able to find that location using Google maps, using reverse image searches, nothing. So good luck guys.
1: Then can I ask, how did you go about finding it? Did you just drive around aimlessly until you found Locations. Yeah, locations, yeah.
0: Yeah, basically. So I posted on Facebook in a couple of forums and just said, look, if anyone's looking for extra cash, this is what I'm doing. If you want to hire a house out, sweet. I got about uh, 30 or 40 replies to that. Wow. Yeah, across the whole country. Um, so I've still got a fair few on there. That was a couple of years ago that I email regularly, um, but they haven't quite you know they they're in rural queensland or tasmania so i haven't gotten around to going there and shooting it and um but you know they they're still there and i email them off and going do you know anyone in the area that has this so it started off with just the facebook post um and then some letterbox drops and then just basically as briefs come in i have to you know, try to find places that look like these. So any that gets shut down. So I might give the production company 10 options. They'll Hmm. only pick one. The other nine, I try to sign them up to set books so that we've got that option in the future. Wow. Yeah. We get a lot of word of mouth locations. That's good. Um, we had one client that was looking for a sandstone basement, uh, basement to make a bunker out of. Wow. And. I had stalked someone for a previous project. <laughs> That's one way to put it. To <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of stalking. Um, and it, she had let us shoot in her house and so she was on our email list. So I just emailed out and said, does anyone have a sandstone basement? And she said, yeah, my friend of a friend has a stone." So we ended up using that for the shoot which, wow. yeah, which they're now members of Setbook as well. So they have shoots there quite regularly now.
1: So anyone can become a location scout. You don't need to go to uni to – because I know in Hollywood you go to film school but you mm-hmm. don't have a set mindset, I'm going to be a location scout, yeah. walk out of uni with a degree. Yeah. What do you do? I'm a location scout. Oh, yeah, okay. I don't know if
0: there's <laughs> like a bachelor's degree in location scouting. be interesting
1: because like the way you describe it is you just – it's pretty interesting. Like you just drive around mm-hmm. – find interesting locations yeah. and then keep it in the back of your head Yeah. because yeah. I know with me and whenever I'm doing a movie I think the first time I ever walked up to someone's house I was so nervous <laughs> I was like they're not going to allow me yeah. to actually use their house yeah but the funny thing was uh when I knocked on the house I said introduced myself I was shaking I'm yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> come on <laughs> let this let this work because it was a perfect location yeah and um she was a really really nice lady and I was just like you're gonna let me use your house. Yeah. And use your power, use everything for yeah. free. Yeah. Mad. <laughs> well, that's awesome. For but free.
0: Wow. For free. Yeah. Really?
1: So we, we actually got it for free, which yeah. is another amazing thing. But everything else that I've used whenever I'm writing something, yeah. it's always in the back of my head, like the setting. Yeah. And it's always been somewhere where I've actually been. Yeah. So not that's somewhere good. new.
0: That's that's really um, a film school mentality, I think. You you write with something that you know that you have access to already um, before you write for something that you don't have access for uh, access to because if you make something up, this, this my biggest challenge with directors is they um, – and scriptwriters, they write this script, the director reads it, they have this idea in their head and I have to try to find that exact idea and if it's not the exact one, they're going to shut it down. Right. So it's really hard for me to get inside their heads and go – You know, first of all, what do you want exactly, you know, to the point of the layout of the lounge and things like that in a living room space, for example. You know, when you read a script, you're envisioning it. And I can't envision the same thing as you, but... Because we're all different. Exactly. So... Um, I have two jobs in firstly trying to interpret what exactly the director wants, and secondly trying to convince them that there may be another way to do it. Just have a look at this, you know, consider it. So um, I guess that's the hardest part of being a location scout is trying to you know read people's minds. <laughs> in, <laughs> in a, you got to be good
1: in. at convincing as well. I find like
0: mm, yeah, it's yeah. not only director. Like directors no. are so easy to convince. Com- compared to homeowners and, you know, shopkeepers and stuff because obviously this is all their personal personal property, their stuff. Um, they have concerns about insurance and mm-hmm. the whole shebang. So it's, like I said, it's a lot of butt kissing to be able to get people, <laughs> especially for the right price yeah. because some people who have had filming in their house before, for example, if I'm working on an indie production, their budget isn't going to be five grand a day like a commercial. Their budget's gonna be, you know, two grand for two weeks, or something oh, barely that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so for me to go, I know you guys have had filming here before, and last time you got two grand a day. Well, this time we're offering you fifteen hundred bucks for six days. You know, I've got to be able to butter them up and be like, "This is the perfect property. We love this place. The director's in love. It's a, it's his first option," and just make them basically feel like they're you know the best thing on mm. earth and they would be doing us this huge favor but i guess the other thing is that not all homeowners are in it for the cash so there are other ways to kind of convince them that 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 they might want this for example some of them just like the idea of having of watching A movie set yeah, exactly. actually at
1: their home yeah being able
0: to show their friends and go look that's my house mm. um some of them might want credit so that's enough for some people. So I guess it's just a matter of finding, you know, asking them. You know, we only have this budget, but is there anything else we can do for you? Can we give you a signed poster by all the cast at the end? You know, um. Have yeah. you
1: come across some like hard projects in the past? I can oh, imagine no. that you probably would have. Yeah. So yeah. how do you, how do you go about managing? I guess uh, not finding the right location. Not even if you say the director has a specific location mm-hmm. in mind and you've envisioned this for him, yeah. but it's not on the same page. How do you go about managing that? Who ends up winning?
0: The director the wins director? all the time. They have to. So I'm
1: you got to right? yes, yeah. go back to the drawing board and try and mm-hmm. find something else.
0: Yeah. So for example, a project that I'm working on at the moment, I have a really specific brief where they've said, we want an old farmhouse. This is the production company. We want an old farmhouse, a couple of acres, um, some dilapidated barns. We need it to look like it's from the 1900s um, and we want it to be authentic. So it can't have a modern kitchen. It can't, you know, that they want the whole house for, for the family essentially. Um, and they want it within 50 kilometres of the CBD um, and this is their budget and, you know, it needs to have a fireplace and it needs to have wraparounds, uh, turn-of-the-century verandas. So oh, this whole big list of things. So I spent about six weeks looking for this location. I brought about 25 options to the table. Um, some of them, you know, get wiped out in the first round. And at the end of the six weeks, we were left with three options. They then took it to the network. And the network was like, a farm? Why are you looking for a farm? We don't want a farm. <laughs> and so... I was- I get this phone call, it's like, Natasha, the network don't want to farm. I was like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? I've been looking, I've been walking through mud in pouring rain for the last six weeks every single day, driving hundreds of kilometres to be able to find these farms, and now they don't want to farm. Yeah, they want a terrace in Balmain or something, I'm like... Wow. But they want cows. Yeah, they want cows and a terrace in Balmain. I was like, no, that's yeah. that doesn't exist. I'm so <laughs> sorry for the confusion, but that does not exist. Wow. So we kind of had to go back to square one for that one. And now we're looking for um, smaller properties that are not acreages, maybe just a, a bigger kind of backyard that could potentially fit a cow maybe. Um, so small plots of land, I guess. That's why I was out in Cat this morning looking at a small plot there. But it's still got to have the wraparound balcony. It's still got to be able to be accessible by 40 crew and their trucks and, and um, the owners can't be living there because they're going to be shooting mm. you know, 24-7. So I'm having to ask these owners, would you be willing to move out of your house for a period of three months while they film this show?
1: Wow. Yeah. So and who, who kind of sets them up? Do they set themselves up or is it the production company that does that?
0: It's different every time. So it depends on the budget of the production company. Um, this one doesn't have the budget to set them up somewhere else. Wow. But they do have a weekly, like a pretty high weekly rate. So we kind of figure it, it's one in the same there. Whereas other production companies, if the if the show is huge um, or if it's a, a feature film or whatever, then they 100% have, you know, 10 grand, 20 grand to set someone else up somewhere else for the three months, six months, whatever it is. Um, but. I'm like, that's next level stuff. That's not, yeah. Yeah. That's not your everyday <laughs> production. Um, and
1: do you get even still like you can't find a location? Do you still get paid for your time or is it?
0: Yeah. So, um, that what I was just describing is through the freelance kind of stuff. Right. So yes, I charge them a weekly rate for my time. Um, whereas with set book, we take a commission from each booking because the locations have already been found. Um, it's not, as hard i'm not spending as much time we do still get inquiries through the site a lot of properties that we don't have which i can probably afford to spend an hour looking for for them in exchange for the commission that i would charge yeah but any more than that i'm i'm having to turn people away and go look unless you want to pay me for a day i will find you will get a location at the end of the day you'll get at least five options but i don't have the time to just be doing it for free
1: Mm. yeah Cause it, it does, it's very time consuming as well. Mm. You probably have a lot of other clients that you've got to manage too. It is, yeah, so how job. do you go, how do you go about managing? Is it just you or is you got a team of people? We've
0: got a, a small team. So, um, it's myself and my business partner. So mm-hmm. he does all the tech side, manages the website. Um, but I do all the locations and then I've got my assistant who helps me with the research and the kind of cold calling side of it. Um, she might go door knock sometimes if she's yeah. feeling brave. Um, Door
1: knocking's not the best strategy. I uh, no. Trust me. <laughs> I used to do real estate, so mm. door knocking was the worst yep. thing. Yep. You just feel... Like, you don't want to go up to someone's house, annoy them. Yeah. They're at home for a reason. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're relaxing and yeah. you're knocking on the door trying to sell them something.
0: I know. And imagine it's... being like, can I quickly just come inside and take some photos? Yeah. And then they're like, like no, <laughs> no, absolutely you can't. Some people are. Some people are more than willing and just trusting. But I think it's because for me personally, I'm not a very intimidating looking person. I'm not, you know, six foot covered in taps, whatever. Um, I'm actually like, I feel like I look like I'm not threatening to them. So most people are kind of like, yeah, come in, come in. I'm like, no, I'm the one that's like, no, I'm not going to come in until someone knows where I am. I'll come back later.
1: So what's that like in terms of safety for you?
0: As long as either my assistant or my partner or someone knows where I am, you know, I've got my calendar there for a reason. If they know where to start looking for the body, I'm sweet. I can go in, (laughs) but, um, but I won't even just go into a random person's house without, you know, first of all, having their contact details. And second of all, someone knowing where I am, Mm -hmm. because it, it is a risk. I mean, nothing's ever happened. Touch wood. Um, Um, and it's, I, I never feel unsafe. I mean, there are some areas in Sydney I wouldn't ever go door knocking on. Mounderot? Well, I wasn't going to name any, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't ever go door knocking. I would do letterbox drops, make sure I have two points of contact with them first, you know, their email and give them a phone call so that both they know what to expect and I know what to expect. Yep. I mean, a while back I was looking for a location for a TV show and it was for, a, they wanted a drug den, essentially. So here I am fun. yeah, walking through, you know, houses that look like drug dens, assessing both the suitability for the, the show as well as OHS. Like, uh, yep. is this an actual drug den? Because if so, <laughs> I don't think we should be filming. <laughs> um, so, I mean, places like that. While it's a little bit kind of like you know what you're looking for, but you have to understand that art department come in at some point and you don't need somewhere that, you know, has the graffiti on the walls and Mm. the torn up couches. I can just look for a smaller place that's maybe a little shabbier and art department can bring panels that are spray painted in rather than me trying to wade through
1: yeah leave it leave it to the yard department they got it exactly
0: exactly so i
1: rather risk their safety than mine
0: well i mean it's not even safety for them because they can just design stuff it's not like Mm. they have to actually bring drugs to a drug den um whereas if i go into the wrong location maybe that is what i'm gonna see
1: that's the props department
0: exactly, exactly good luck with that guys yeah
1: I mean, my, my uncle, is a special makeup effects artist. Oh, like, yeah. he's, he's worked on many, many big projects yeah. from Matrix, Wolverine, nice. all that sort of fun stuff. Yeah. And he's brought me on a couple of film shoots. Mm-hmm. Like one of them specifically was uh, The Osiris Child and they filmed it down in Penrith. So mm-hmm. that thing you were saying before, Tall Grass, they were looking for that same thing. Yeah. But they actually had the prop department and they actually got bundles of hay oh, nice. and they wrapped it together. And so part of the field was missing, but they actually added those bundles to make it look like it was actually full. Oh, and they just funny. used trick photography yep. during the shoot. Yep. And then later on in post, when I was watching the shots back, I'm like, I was there. That does not look like <laughs> that. <laughs> I, I <know>. remember. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's amazing what, um, I mean, I really love that. In film, everyone's got a role and everyone knows what their job is. It's so different from photography. In photography, there's no there's no laws, really, to, mm. to govern safety. There's no, uh, you know, wage. Um, there's no, oh God, there's not even a job description half the time. Half the time as a photographer, you're the stylist as well. You're making sure that everyone's trying to be safe and, you know, you're climbing fences. and You're the gaffer. <laughs> you are literally everything. So yeah. I love that film works like a a team and everyone knows their role and everyone knows it so well and their positions are so specialised. Yeah, I love it. Have you
1: ever had a producer that's really, really difficult? Is it more the producers or is it more the actual production company? Because the production company Mm. has a team of producers like execs and the ones that are financing it that have usually the final say. Yeah. Do you ever come across –
0: not really. No? It's usually the directors. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because the producers are putting all their trust in the directors. Yeah. Um, and they're as long as the producers are kept in the loop, usually they're pretty happy to go ahead with it. Some some executive producers kind of want to get involved with the decision-making side of it. Some of them are happy to just let you do your thing. Um, but, uh, I mean, on the bigger productions, the executive producers have a lot more say and so do the producers. Uh, and the directors have less of a say, I guess, but at the end of the day, if the director doesn't like it, the location, Mm -hmm. then you're not filming there. You just not, it's just not going to happen.
1: Okay. Now going back a little bit more to, I guess, your photography, Mm -hmm. did you always want to do photography or?
0: Well, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I went a long way away from that. Um, but as soon as, pretty much as soon as I finished school, I got a job in photography and I kind of realized, yeah, I love it. It's awesome. Mm. Um, I think it was, I'm a very creative person. I like working with other people. I always feel like when you work on a film set or you work on a photo shoot set, that you, you all arrive as strangers at the start of the day and then Then by the end of the day. yeah, Yeah, you do because you go through this, what I honestly think is a traumatic event it, is. it really I mean so much goes wrong in a day and everyone just has to handle it and th- I've never had a shoot that's just gone flawlessly me mm, um, either yeah so <laughs> you all have to work together to, to basically get through the day and and that's a it's nice to have that feeling at the end of the day and go that person's my friend now mm. whether they like it or not like they <laughs> may not feel the same about me but I I've, I feel that way yeah, about them, exactly. yeah exactly and I mean I with a lot of the people that I've worked with, I can go, you know, back four years, pick up the phone and call someone that I haven't spoken to in four years and be like, "Hey, remember that time we did this? Are you interested in coming to work with me on this?" And you know, it would be like we've spoken every day since. Mm. It's just you, you forge those kind of really deep relationships. So it's you- different.
1: Like I've I've been able recently to connect and network, mm. whereas before. I didn't. I was always schoolmates and everything like that. Yeah. And now it's, I've been able to branch out a little bit more. Yeah. And have that, it's a sense of confidence as well. Yeah. Like, cause you got to, it's your project at the end of the day as well. You want the best for your project. Exactly. But you're not really, it's like that fear of meeting new people. What are they going to be like? Yeah. That sort of thing, control. And, you know, I remember when I met my business partner and I didn't want to meet him first. <laughs> I sort of brushed him off for such yeah, a long time. Yeah. And he'll tell this as well. He's like, Jared didn't want to meet me. I can't imagine why. <laughs> but <laughs> well, when we him? actually met uh, and sat down and had a conversation, we realized, okay, well, you know, it's not so, so bad as what I thought it would actually yeah, be. Yeah. And from then I was able to connect with actors. Instagram has been absolutely incredible. Yeah. I mean, I've had conversations with Dan Lawston the cinematographer of John Wick. Wow! No, I mean, he liked a couple of my photos. Oh my god! And I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna thank him." Yeah. And he actually replied to me.
0: Wow! And I was like,
1: happen. "That's no." <laughs> and same same pe- people like I've got um, Steph Butler coming mm-hmm. on. She's oh, nice. film writer. Yeah. Um, R- Ryan Connolly's new project. Yeah. So it's always been my goal to at least have them or network with them and yeah, get them yeah. on the show yeah, and yeah. speak to them because the film industry is such a niche industry yeah, yeah. that you've got to make those connections in order to get somewhere. Exactly, So yeah. I feel like you, you're the sort of person that connects very well with people. You're a yeah. friendly, friendly person. Yeah. I mean, I've only just met you today. <laughs> but we, I, sort of how we started, I guess, was you reached out, well, I followed Ra. Yeah. Ra Sharma on, on Instagram because yeah. I saw... His profile and i'm like well this guy looks pretty cool yeah. had no idea that he lives down the road oh cool <laughs> i was just like okay yeah. cool um and then one day i just messaged him and asked him did he have i asked him for advice yeah. like because i bought the new black magic camera yeah, and yeah. all that sort of stuff yeah yep. love it but i had no idea yeah like, i was a complete novice yeah and i saw this this guy ra and I'm like, I'm going to ask him. I'm going to see if he's actually going to reply to me. And he replies. Yeah, yeah he and we just have, replies. Yeah. Have a full conversation.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I asked him, do you have lights? And mm. he said, yep. And I'm like, can I borrow a light? Yeah. And I'm like, where do you live? And he's like, just down the road from me. <laughs> I'm like, that's mad. I love it. <laughs> Making that kind of connection yeah. that they're not always out
0: yeah, exactly. Out
1: way far away from you.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so. I, even if, if they do, people are so willing to go out of their way to help other people. Um, like, I mean, you see it a lot on Facebook as well in, in the film groups where people are like, oh, my God, I need this prop. Does anyone have mm. it? And then someone's just like, yep, come pick it up. Easy. And it, it's never too hard. Sounds <laughs> <It's not> like <laughs> my house. <laughs> Except my dog's small and yaps. What's your dog? Chihuahua. Ah. Yeah, tiny, aggressive, crazy. Little
1: Chihuahua. Yeah. Okay. We're a, we're a um, German family.
0: Oh, okay. So right. we only yeah. have
1: German Shepherds. Yep. Nice. So are you from Germany? No. No. Where are you from?
0: South Africa.
1: Really? Yeah. You would never have picked that? No. Wow. Well, okay. A lot of
0: people think I'm like Eastern European. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that was from my understanding. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think I'm Wog, but I'm not. Oh, log. right. Yes, okay. I yeah. think it's the nose, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Um, Okay, so I guess we've spoken a lot about challenges that you've had to come across. Did you ever find that starting Setbook was a big challenge for you?
0: Oh, yeah. It was huge because there's no training for a location scout. There's no no courses. There's no internships. The industry is so small. There's so few. I mean, there are a lot of location scouts, but there there are really not that many um, in in perspective, you know, compared to the rest of... The film industry but it was hard because i kind of threw myself in i didn't have any mentors i didn't have any film experience um, i just was like this is what i'm doing and if someone wants to try to stop me then you know try harder um, and i did come up against a lot of people who were like no don't bother doing that that's a stupid idea or you know you'd be better off focusing your energy on your photography or getting mm-hmm. a normal job um but I kind of had this really specific vision of what I wanted set book to be and while I don't feel like we're there yet we have also moved right away from that the more kind of the more work I do the more I can kind of see what people need and the more we kind of shift and change towards those needs um but I think the biggest challenges for me were the legalities behind it all because there's contracts, there's insurance. Everyone's got to have different insurance. A homeowner Mm -hmm. has to have insurance. The production company has to have insurance. I have to have insurance. Um, Workers' compensation, then, you know, who's responsible at the end of the day if I send someone into one of those drug dens and something happens? What happens if the ceiling falls down? Who's liable? So that was kind of – those were the biggest fears for me because I didn't know the the legal side of everything. But mm. you kind of – you learn, you talk to people, you read case studies, um, and and you just get on with it. And, I mean, that was by far the biggest challenge. And especially – like this year, we're trying to add cars to Setbook so that you can hire vehicles through Setbook as well. That's different. Yeah. Um, not only unit cars, but also action vehicles. Um, ah. So – it's, that, again, is a whole other insurance nightmare because who's insuring the car? I don't... Seppel doesn't have an insurable risk. Mm. So what am I... I have to make sure the owner has this yep. specific insurance. The production company has this specific insurance. The production company has needs that the car, you know, needs to meet. So there's a whole lot... Like We've, we've just signed our first helicopter, yacht and um, plane. So wow. um, um, we're kind of going through the legal process of that at the moment in trying to work out what the contracts would be like and what the limitations to that are. You know, who is going to be flying the plane if there is a flying scene? Um, you know, obviously there's a whole lot of, whole lot of complications. There. So you
1: have to engage lawyers and yeah, that must be a massive cost.
0: It is a huge cost. So luckily um, I used to work with someone who – became an arts lawyer uh, so yeah. her firm have been really good to me and have helped us out a lot with our contracts and our terms of service and things like that um once we've got the initial contracts done we just use that as a template so it's it's a one-off kind of expense and then if there are further changes that need to be made that's made at the production company's cost yeah yeah so um it was initially quite a pain to set up but now it's done and we're fine
1: that's good that, that you got a vision and I've been able to see the growth over the years. Like, yep. I think I started following you last year, sometime yeah. around last yep. year. Um And I was like, back then I thought, what in the world does she do? Like, <laughs> yeah. she going out <laughs> the middle of, of nowhere and then I was like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, she's probably a location scout, but it yeah. doesn't look like it. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden set books started to change. Yeah. And I'm like, this is interesting. I wonder where she's going to take this. Yeah. And then it just became even better because then you reached out to me and said, look, Jared, if you need a hand or if you yeah. need a location, let us know and yeah. we can find it. I'm like, that's great. Thank you for reaching out. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you know. I haven't let you know yet. yet. <laughs> <laughs> Get in there. Yeah. but Because I've got a lot of projects happening yeah. even at one time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big, big writer. So I've got a mm-hmm. lot of scripts. That I it's just finding yeah. the time. Yeah when to make the right kind of movie. Yeah, exactly. So you got to I got, pick your time. I've got a big one. Like we're working on yeah, a pretty big one, but I'll tell you about that later. Um, but yeah, like in terms of um, your photography, so you still do that as well?
0: I do. So setbook's kind of at a point where it's rolling along pretty nicely, um, but I do also like money. So <laughs> <laughs> I still shoot. <laughs> um, so I I might shoot like twice a week, three times a week at the most at this point um my photography is basically what paid the lawyers what paid for ah. everything so I was shooting myself to death to be able to pay to set, set book up and now that it's kind of rolling by itself it's paying its own way I guess so I can kind of mm. just do the jobs that I want to do photography wise I don't have to do the sucky ones that I don't want to do Anymore. So you do
1: weddings at all no. or not? No. no, I hate weddings. Yeah, I do not go <laughs> yeah. near weddings. Yeah,
0: um, they're just not my I just not my kind of thing. I do a lot more commercial, like advertising, real estate, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Real
1: estate is quite fun. Like I was um, in real estate, and because mm-hmm. the company I was with, they're very particular with the yep. photographers they choose. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I would walk on, onto a house, the photographer would be there. And I would be fixing up his angles yeah, or her yeah. angles. I'd yeah. be like, "That's not right. That's that's wonky. Why is it? Yeah. Why is it going to that side?" Yeah. It just amazed me. Like um, they're being paid, I'm not, and I'm fixing up and making the photos look great. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so, um,
0: It's real estate photography is one of those things where it looks super simple, but if your camera is just even slightly on an angle, your walls all look slanted. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite. Um, it's quite specific. You have to kind of really know what you're doing to be able to get the right shots. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but it is fun. I love going into people's houses and touching their stuff. Um, which, I'm the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it fits into the location, but scouting perfectly. Yep. I've always just, every time I drive past, how, drive down the street at night and people's lights are on, I'm always peering in. I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're doing. <laughs> it's like two, total stalker.
1: Wow. Yeah, next,
0: next level. <laughs> everyone,
1: everyone close your doors and your blinds <laughs> and <laughs> so you keep it coming. Yeah,
0: I've got my binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> that was too funny. No, it's Google Satellite. It's my binoculars. Google Satellite. Yeah, Google Satellite.
1: I always find that quite strange. And is it a breach of privacy for some people? Like,
0: it, Some do people you do find it a bit weird when I'm like, I stalked your house um, on Google satellite. I hope you don't mind. And now I'm just knocking at your door. Um, I try not to knock on people's doors as the first point of contact. For example, with this old house project, I saw one random image online of this house and I was like, I need to find that. I need to find it. I ended up finding the address, but it, it's a farm. So there it's down winding dirt road and you need to press the intercom to get in that kind yep. of stuff. I don't want my first impression on these people to terrify them. So, I just stalk and stalk and stalk and I ended up finding that the owners had had a, an event there three years ago and had their email address on the expired event. So wow. I emailed them through that and then they replied to me and said, yeah, that's fine. You can come by. And when I came, they were like, how the hell did you find us? I was like, yeah, there's some great A stalking there. Like, <laughs> took me about two weeks, but I'm here now. <laughs> so, wow. And they were kind of... They, they, a little bit taken aback
1: you seem like a person that is quite resilient to obstacles and how do you your mindset like i want to know what goes through your mind when you come across a challenge
0: um first of all i guess with new challenges i get a little bit excited and i'm like yeah this is going to be so fun every time a new client comes aboard and they've got a new brief for me i'm like yes yeah, sweet i know exactly where i'm going to start and i'm going to smash it hmm. it wasn't always that confidence there, um, I kind of had to hone in on my searching, stalking skills. Um, but I'm kind of at a point now where the only time I really feel, I guess, I guess in my process, is that I'm confident at the start and I can find heaps of options, and then I start running out of options, or the production company doesn't like the options, or it's not the right thing, or the brief's changing, or they don't know what they want. For example. Then, I don't know, there's a little bit of, there's always that little doubt in my mind where I'm like, oh, what if, mm. you know, what if they decide to say no? And that's happened before where they've gone, you know what, this isn't working. I'm, I'm sorry, we, we're we going to have to work it out ourselves. Yep. Um, Which is fine because I can't please everyone. You know, that particular brief was really straightforward initially as I thought. But as I kind of started working with them, it was, really clear that they didn't really know what they wanted and that is really the hardest part of my job is when someone goes oh we want this and this and this and this and this and i'm like no you can't have your cow in roselle i'm sorry it's just not gonna work <laughs> but they're adamant that they want that and i can't change their mind mm-hmm. so if i can't change their mind and i can't find what they're looking for then it is just best to part ways because they're better off with someone who can help them rather than me wasting my time and theirs Yeah, um that's only ever happened you know, once or twice, but it's it's usually usually they kind of trust me enough to go. We know you've worked your absolute hardest on this, and if this is if you say this is the best option, that we trust that that's the best option.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, but I it, think
1: well, now you've got the access to a helicopter, so yeah. you can fly in, just steal a cow, and just put just it, drive there. it there. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it a lot.
0: Um, yeah. No. So I mean, it's. There are a lot of challenges because, uh, the production company, I might present an option to them and they love it. They absolutely Mm. love it. And the owners are a hundred percent in and it gets to two weeks before production starts and something happens and the owners all of a sudden, nah, you know, um, and then we're back to square one and I've got to go scramble back to our backup options or our option two, option three. And then we've got to get contracts sorted, you know, a week before the shoot, which isn't ideal because everyone loves to have things locked in in advance. Um, But it it does happen. For example, one that we had locked in a couple of weeks ago, their mother had a stroke. And that's just – it's out of our control and we completely understand that, you know, this stuff happens and it's unfortunate. But we have to – you know, the show must go on. So we've got to go race Mm. around and do that again, do the whole thing again and get get it through level one, level two, level three and then finally approved. So
1: do you recommend after – being a location scout for two years, do you recommend people do it?
0: I think so. I think it is it is really fun. Um, there's never a boring day. No. Uh, and you learn pretty quickly not to wear nice clothes because dogs jump on you, you walk through dirt, you know. Um, I turned up to a shoot that I was location managing a few months ago and the safety officer came up to me and was like, Oh, you know, I'm whatever. Who are you? Blah blah. blah. I was like, oh, Natasha, I'm the location manager. Really? You don't look like a location manager. I was like, why? Because I don't know. You just dress too nice. It's like, thank you.
1: So dress down, people. Dress down in the film industry. Yeah, I'm. I'm the director that, you know, uh, uh, Paul Feig. He dresses up in a suit yep, and he yep. rocks up a uh, set like that yeah, yeah. i'm the kind of person that rocks up in a shortened t-shirt yeah and i'm cool either way like yeah. I, don't, I don't care
0: i think that what throws most people about me is that you know i wear a lot of pink um
1: so pink's your favorite color yeah
0: 100 my hair is usually pink ah. and i'm wearing a pink jacket pink shoes pink shirt so people kind of like this girl is strange. <laughs> she's, she must be an actress or something. Like she's one she's of those. eccentric. Yeah, she's eccentric. So when I told him I was, you know, the location manager, kind of like looked at my pink fluffy jacket and I was like, really? Mm. <laughs> Are you not wardrobe? Are you <laughs> Whatever. Well, um, But yeah, I had to invest in some gumboots and a nice jacket. But I mean, when you go on farms, people have gumboots that they mm. lend you and you just got to check for spiders.
1: Have you ever come across that? Spiders, snakes?
0: Mm-mm. No, no, not yet. Wow. Not yet.
1: You should come to this area more often. Yeah. You'll, you'll see red bellies, uh, yeah. brown snakes, I everything. I to
0: live in Rouse Hill. Ah. <laughs> there was a red belly on our driveway one time.
1: Fun times.
0: Yeah, it was great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So um, I guess moving on from that, have you found that with um, doing a lot of letterbox drops that has been a good way.
0: A huge, huge yeah. way. So you got yeah. a lot of
1: success from that.
0: Yes. But we trialed a lot of different letters. So we did, you know, the flyers and the flyers got zero response. Absolutely zero. Um the most response I've ever had is the handwritten letters. Everyone calls me back on a handwritten letter. But I just don't have the time to be handwriting a thousand letters. No. Um so I've kind of got it down to a fine art where I've got my, my letter, which is as personal as I can possibly be to a stranger whose house I want to go inside. Um, and basically, again, just kissing butt, which is 99% of my job, and just telling them how great it would be and how much we love it and we think that it would be an asset to the, to the shoot. And I reckon we maybe have like a 40% hit rate. Which wow. is still pretty impressive, considering it's still class junk mail. Yes. Um. So, and um, I will only put letters in junk mail letter boxes if I'm really desperate and it's handwritten, um, and if the house is absolutely perfect, or if not, I just tie it to their front door or slide it under the front door so that they really get it. That way, if they don't call me back, I'm like, okay, they're definitely out because they've definitely received that. Wow. Um. Yeah, but that's definitely been the safest and most effective way because I know that it's accessible to me I can drive there obviously um, I'm not talking to strangers on the internet and going to their houses that kind of thing so it's it's been the best approach
1: have there been some places that you can't drive to or
0: um, well I don't have a four-wheel drive and I've realized that that's a problem with all these rural properties that I've been going to. So a lot of them have dirt roads, um, unsealed roads. So my poor car has copped it. The suspension? Yeah, the suspension (laughs) is is gone. I just need a new car. Um, But, I mean, like we get a lot of inquiries from Melbourne and Queensland as well uh, for Brisbane, and I can't go recce those places. Mm. You know, it's too expensive for me just to fly up. So, I mean... Ideally, we'd like to expand and get a location scout in each city, but we have to be realistic about where the demand is. And at the moment, we're focusing on Sydney because we can barely keep up as it is. Um, Melbourne would probably be the next logical step, but even so, I'm not 100% familiar with demographic in certain areas because local knowledge really helps. If someone says, I need a rundown house, I can name 10 suburbs in Sydney where I can find a lot of rundown houses. If they want a really affluent house, I can name, you know, all the eastern and just I know which areas to hit yeah. to be able to find, you know, the demographic of the house that you're looking for. Whereas in Melbourne, I don't. And in Queensland, I have, you know, a limited, no, limited knowledge. Um, and the other thing is as well, these areas change so quickly. If, you, if you're if you not getting out there regularly, you're not going to see what's happening. Like, for example, we have one listing, which is um, our bohemian Um, lounge in Sydney and that's in Camperdown. When I went there and I recce it and I took the initial photos, it was amazing, flawless, loved it, great, parking, everything. And then um, two months later someone called me about it and said, we want to book it, can we go recce it? Yep, cool. They called me back after the recce and said, there's construction across the road, we can't film there. Wow. And, you know, it's things like that that the owners don't understand. No. They're not going to know that you need silence um, or at least close to And they didn't think to tell me that there was construction. So unfortunately that didn't work out because there's construction, but it happens so often just with little things like in Badgerys Creek, we were looking for a uh, road, a quiet road that we can uh, shut down. It's now an airport. (laughs) So we can't get anywhere near it. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's all fascinating because as someone like myself, I wouldn't have even thought, of any of that, like anything that you've just told me. Yeah. It doesn't really cross your mind. Like yeah. you try and think of plan B, plan yeah. C and, but everything's just going to go wrong. Exactly. If, if it is going to go wrong, it will. Exactly. Um, and
0: I mean, that's what the Reiki's are for. It's so that you can iron out any problems, be as prepared as possible. Mm. But sometimes the problem is just too big. And if it can be avoided in the first place, then why not?
1: Have you ever come across a problem you couldn't fix?
0: Hmm no not, no like i mean nothing that comes to mind most of the problems are, just means you've got to find another location um or someone's got to sacrifice something because i mean everyone in the team wants something hair makeup wardrobe they all want their own little section with electricity and bathrooms and mirrors and heating you know the director wants the rural setting or whatever the dp wants somewhere safe to put their gear and out of rain and the owner wants people to stay in one area so that he can use the rest of his business. For example, we had some filming in a bar yeah. and the bar was just literally one room. So there there was bathrooms and there was one room, so there was no space for unit. So we hired the office next door for unit and the um, wardrobe set off the smoke alarm with the steamer and <laughs> the fire brigade came and they were filming, you know, next door, literally a thin wall. So it's just while they're filming and yep. the owner's calling me, screaming at me going, now this is going to cost me two and a half grand, blah blah I'm going to have, you know, so I I just have to deal with that and go, sorry they should have known better, I should have told them, you know, we should have had the discussion, mm. so you, you kind of learn, so now every single commercial building that we go into, I'm checking the smoke alarms <laughs> because I will not get that fire brigade fine again
1: Was it a big fine?
0: <laughs> two and a half grand
1: Ouch. Yeah. So you had to pay that?
0: The production company paid it, but oh. they were not impressed. It came out of my budget. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ouch. So big loss. Yeah. Well, yeah, huge. They, they always say like if you make mistakes you learn the most from Yeah. and financially speaking, Ooh, you yeah. definitely yeah. won't make that same mistake <laughs> no. again.
0: No, I will not. So. Yeah. So at least if I can just be clear with people and go, this is where the smoke alarms are, you need to seal them off or get them shut down, then it's kind of out of my hands because yep. I've told them and if they choose to ignore me then, you know, or they forget or whatever, then that's not on me anymore. But, are
1: you um, actually on set as well?
0: Sometimes, not as often as I'd like to be. Um, but sometimes you just don't need a location manager. Hmm. Um, if the, uh, if it's a set book listed property and it's the owner's first shoot, they, I always encourage them not to be there, not to hover around while people are filming. Um, so if it makes them more comfortable, I'll go. Um, but for most productions, no, unless there's something specific happening like they're, you know, re- having to re the grass or they're knocking down a wall or they're painting or some kind of big, huge thing is happening, then I will insist that I'm there. Mm-hmm. Road closures are another one where I usually, because that's my relationship with council that I've used to be able to get them to shut that road and they will need, you know, p- people will walk through. So everyone's already got a job. If I can help them. By, you know, walking people through when it's safe for them to walk through, so they don't get hit by, you know, action cars and stuff. Then yes, I there's some things that I won't let it slide, and some things that I'm just kind of like, yeah, you can do what you want, it mm. doesn't matter. Yeah.
1: Have you got relationships with all councils or
0: most of them? Yeah. yeah. So I at the very least know who the contacts are and how difficult or easy they are to get a hold of. Mm. Um, their fee structures are all online and it's changing all the time anyway, but it's. Um, It's always nice to be able to call someone and go, hey, what are the chances of this if we put an application through today? So, for example, we had a shoot two weeks ago where we had to close, not close a road, but close a lane on a road. So the production company wanted a traffic light in the shot. And we obviously, you know, roads with traffic lights are not small roads. So we picked one in Newtown that we thought was relatively quiet. It was just a pedestrian light.
1: Newtown's quiet?
0: Well, I mean, they wanted somewhere within <laughs> the city. So yeah. Newtown, I was kind of like, it would be Newtown or Tempe and Tempe was too much of an industrial area. So mm-hmm. I thought they'd say no. And I figured given that we were shooting outside of peak times, we were shooting from like 11 to 1. that's yeah, usually
1: the best. Yeah, yeah.
0: That, that they might say yes. And the RMS shut that down so fast. Like, there are 400 cars going through there every hour. That's just oh. not going to happen. Um, so... We ended up picking somewhere in Kellyville on Green Road. And ah. um, they, the council said yes, RMS said yes. And I had only received the brief on the Sunday and the shoot was on the Friday. And it's usually 10 days minimum to close for, for traffic light stuff, traffic stuff, because the RMS is not yep. equipped to kind of deal with too much fast-paced stuff. So the production company paid a lot more to expedite things. Um, because they didn't have the time, but I, you know, did have the conversation with them and go, now, you know, for the future plan in advance, don't call me the day before call Mm. me a week before. Um, but just having a a relationship with council meant that I could call her and go, Hey, what are the chances that you guys would let this through so quickly? She was like, put the application in now. And, um, even if this is your backup option, put it in now and I will start processing it immediately same thing happened for um uh national no crown land crown land are really easy to deal with yep. um, their website says it takes two months for them to process film applications but um we had a student from sydney film school who needed to shoot on crown land in you know three weeks so yep. um i called the person that I know there and they were like, okay, put it through right now, put it through under your name and then we'll process it and then change it to her name. So, um, because we put it down under a company name, it sped things up and, uh, they're really good. They actually have an office office out in Dubbo that handles all of that stuff, but then just needs approval from the Metro uh, offices. So within two weeks they had approved it and given us, uh, instead of just allowing them to film for a day, they gave them a week, and they can go back any time in that week and film. That's incredible. Yeah, so it was it was really good turnaround time because it only took about two weeks, including application and everything.
1: Wow! And yeah. on Green Road, that was just off, like next to Wrights Road, that set of lights.
0: Um, it was next to the. It was near the school.
1: Yeah, yeah. William Clark. Yeah, I know it yeah, very yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: that that traffic light there. Yeah.
1: Wow, because that's like four.
0: Four lanes. Four yeah. Lanes. So the benefit of that was that we could block off one lane.
1: Yeah. And
0: filter cars through the other one, but they still had to stop go because people obviously gawk when they're driving past filming. Oh, so what's going on? Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm one of those. Yeah, me too. I gawk as well. I'm like, do I know anyone? What are they doing? I saw a Cato truck out the front of another shoot that I was at, and I was like, what is it? I wonder what they're filming. What house are they filming in? Who's that? Like, Why didn't they hire me? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'm so offended right now. <laughs> exactly. So, I'm a Gawker, so I figure that everyone else is going to do it as well.
1: Yeah. Do you work a lot with um, Empire?
0: No. No? Ah. Oh. Because no I've, ever I've ever
1: seen ever. so many Empire trucks. Oh, really? Yeah. I've never seen it. Maybe Empire it's only truck. for like the big, big stuff. Really?
0: I've I don't never, know. have never ever seen I've seen a lot of Kato trucks. I've seen Z, Honey Wagons. I've never seen an Empire.
1: I've seen Kato. Yeah. But never seen Honeywagon, never seen the other ones. Maybe it's just. Yeah, I've seen a lot of, yeah, Empire. Like, we had Empire yes. with The Osiris Child. Yeah. Sci-Fi Volume 1 down in Penrith. Yeah. So, they did, like, big catering. Yeah, yeah, right. Makeup trucks, all that fun stuff.
0: Never, ever seen them, never dealt with them. <laughs>
1: That's interesting, okay. Yeah.
0: Because
1: I thought they were the only one, to be honest. Oh, really? They're like, the big one.
0: Well, maybe they are the big one. Maybe I'm just working on the small, smaller productions. Got a... Up could the game.
1: Get, you get up there. <laughs> <laughs> Go for Empire now. Exactly. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. now finishing up because I am mindful of your time as well. Thank you. So finishing up, um, what's next for you? Um,
0: hmm, good question. Or
1: next for the story? Uh, set box? <laughs>
0: um, so for set book, obviously, there's the cars that we want to get as well. And then I guess the next level after that would be kind of agency representation of crew. So we're not looking at actors or models or anything like that. We're looking at, you know, gaffers, runners. I like that. Yeah, Yeah. because there's not, I mean, there's a couple of places that do it, but it's, I think everyone that I see is always asking for crew. um, And if we can work out a way to make it affordable for people to be agency represented, Mm. you know, they're not missing a huge cut of their pay um, because everyone wants work. And the work is there. It's just being put in contact. So yep. I think we've, we're going to get our houses sorted first, allocations. we need 100,000 more of them. Um, we are then going to do our cars, our choppers, motorbikes, boats, yachts, the whole shebang. And then we'll probably look in a couple of years at doing planes. crew representation. Yeah, we've, we've got the planes. We've got a couple of planes ready. Um, and then I guess after that, uh, we'll jump across to New Zealand yeah, and then Southeast Asia.
1: So you've got a, is that, is a five year, 10 year plan?
0: It's was initially a five year world domination plan. <laughs>
1: yeah. I like it. Yeah. So
0: I don't think we'll ever aim for the American market cause it's really saturated, mm-hmm. but, uh, Africa, Southeast Asia and Europe are pretty untouched at this point.
1: Do you come across a lot of competition?
0: Uh, There's new ones popping up every day that I'm kind of like, oh, where did you come from? Um, But I think that they're all formatted very differently to us. There's a lot more of the Airbnb kind of peer-to-peer style platforms now. Um, The traditional brick-and-mortar agencies are still operating and they're still huge, but they're not really catering towards the littler guys. No. Um, You know, with your $600 booking fees. Uh, so we're kind of planted right in the middle there, where we're not peer to peer because that's what our homeowners don't want. That they want to know that they're not going to get bombarded at twelve am with a hundred questions about where the power supply is. Yep. Um, we will handle all of that for them, and that's why they sacrifice some of the fee that they get.
1: That's so, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's an awesome five year plan. Thank um, you. <laughs> and I guess now my favorite part is asking you. What is your favorite film, your favorite actor, and the last film that you watched?
0: Okay, so my favorite film is Paris, Texas.
1: This is why I love this part (laughs) because some films people say, I'm like, what the heck?
0: You've you've never watched (laughs) it? I've never heard of that. It's amazing. So I was actually in London and the makeup artist that I was working with said, you have to watch this. This seems like your kind of movie. So, um, yeah, it's just about this guy who just wanders off one day and then, his his wife takes off. Very um, fitting. Yeah, well, <laughs> he wanders off exactly, um, and then he basically walks. She disappears, and then he tries to go find her. And he walks to Paris, which is a town in Texas, and um, he thinks maybe she's there. And he spends you know years looking for her. It's just really well shot, really cinematic, and the colors are amazing. The locations are next level. Um, and it's just such a strange vibe that you can't, it's really nostalgic, but at the same time, really kind of futuristic, I guess. Mm. Um, and I guess if I had to name another one, cause it's really close, uh, my second favorite coming in really just shy of it is a girl walks home alone at night.
1: I've heard of that one. Haven't seen it. Though.
0: Yeah. It's all in Arabic. Oh. Um, and it was shot in iran i think and it's basically about a feminist skateboarding vampire
1: right yeah yes so definitely heard of that one yeah yeah
0: (laughs) yeah so i love that one that's all shot in black and white so oh yeah
1: So when you watch a movie, you look at the locations.
0: I try to work out, you know, was that a set or was that a location? Where is it? Is it a real location or have they faked it? Mm. Does it still look like that? I just, all these questions run through my head. Where did they park? Where, you know, where's the unit set up? You know, I try to look for clues throughout it.
1: Did you help with that Vimeo movie, Martha the Monster? Mm -mm. No. No. My uncle worked on that oh, one. Cool. He did. He did the actual monsters, which is pretty cool. cool. So he got to work with Rose Byrne and oh, nice. What, whatever his name is, <laughs> um, keep forgetting the guy's name. Yeah, but know. yeah, and he's worked a lot with Nash Edgerton. So have you done any of his projects mm-hmm. before? No. no. Trying to think of who else you might know or worked with. Anyway, <laughs> and your favorite actor.
0: Um, that's a hard one because I don't. Spend a lot of time looking at the actors. Uh, <laughs> I think Natalie Portman's up there for me because she shaved her head for V for Vendetta.
1: Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, that's yes. another
0: really good. Yeah, so she, I I think she's pretty good. Yeah.
1: And last movie that the you last saw.
0: movie that I saw. Oh, if I have to be honest, I think it was Shrek. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, so it always surprises days. me it's so all all the, the last like movie. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think. It It really was Shrek. Shrek 3, maybe. Yeah.
1: And where can people find you?
0: Uh, Our Instagram handle is the underscore setbook and the website is setbook.com.au.
1: And you personally, you don't have your own?
0: Yeah, I do. So mine is, my Instagram is underscore Natasha, N-A-T-A-S-J-E. Yeah, it confuses me too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It confuses everyone. Um, Yeah. That's okay fantastic
1: me. well thank you so much for taking your time and coming on the story box i know because the set box and the story box yeah but really appreciate you sharing knowledge and insight and sharing stories first and foremost about location scouting well, so well, thank very you so much friend.
0: for having me no worries
1: fun. well there you go that was the end of natasha's stories so thank you so much natasha for coming on to the Storybox podcast and sharing those stories with us. Really, really do appreciate it. So what did you guys think? Now's the time for you to actually get involved and let us know what you guys actually think of this week's episode with Natasha. You can reach out. You can uh, leave a nice comment or review. And if you did get something out of it, I'm not asking you to do this just for the sake of me asking. But if you did get something out of this week's episode with all the stories Natasha shared, then... Share it out. Uh, you can leave a nice review or rating on uh, Apple, Apple Podcasts. You can uh, share it over your uh, social media platforms as well. Get the story box out there because I guarantee you more people are going to uh, be coming on in the coming weeks and they are going to be really, really exciting. So I'm not going to spoil who's coming on just yet, but wait and see. Uh, there's going to be some very, very interesting stories coming up uh, very soon. So anyway, guys, um, just a bit of housekeeping as well, as you do, if you made it to the end of the, of the, the podcast, really do appreciate it. So, um, you can follow us on Instagram, uh, the Storybox podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook as well. Um, give it a like, give it a, yeah, do whatever you want to do. Um, leave a comment. That, that sounds good. And until next week, guys, don't forget to share your stories out there. Okay. Have a great one, guys.